we have another episode where we have partnered with Battle Bards. Battle Bards has an amazing collection of theatrical music, like the one you're hearing now called Battle of the Bastion by Benedict Nichols. They also feature weapon sounds. Spell sounds. And soundscapes. If you want to bring these magnificent pieces to your tabletop game, head on over to www.battlebards.com and use promo code ORBS. They have a soundboard that you can customize to trigger these types of sounds for your unique experience. But let's get this episode started. focus had waned after seeing one of Finch's cadets morph into a shadowy figure. The only thing running through your mind is that strange appearance and disappearance of the shadowy figure. You know Finch is available, so you have settled on starting there. You rush out of the amphitheater to head across the bridge. But then an arrow whizzes through the air from the south and impels the man's ankle, tripping him to the ground and falling face first into the stone bridge. I want to walk up to him. Uh, uh, what, what the fuck? Well, how did you end up in this predicament? Dorothy? Over here! Do you have him? I have vanquished the foe. Well, I think he has more to tell us than he has already, so I believe that maybe we should take him to the holding cell for the night, and when he wakes up, we will interrogate him once more. Can, can we talk? Yeah, I've got some time. Sure, anything for a friend. Okay, um, can it not be here? Yeah, would you like to come back with us to the to the hall? Yeah, that that's perfect, actually. Thank you. Tell me your name, thief. Mikey. Mikey Rendich. Who told you to steal the bag? They're called the Cloak. Mikey, where are you taking us? It's outside the city walls of Nucalia. You walk along the western wall for a minute, and then down into a small ditch. A sewer grate of just metal bars sits under the wall. All right, they're in here. How much further in are they? I, I don't know. This will be my first trip in here. All right, am I free to go? All right, just get out of here. Uh, I guess I'll just start to lead the way. You walk into the sewer tunnel. Cadet Groon falls back and hits the tripwire. A hidden gate falls from above, trapping you. Give me initiatives. Can can you come outside for a moment? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I don't think anybody will miss me. What's what's going on? Avidlar tells me you have a link of raw divination magic with your mouse oystrich. I don't know where Felomir is. He's he's no longer here in Yin. He's been gone for several weeks. I can't feel him anymore. And that and that's that's who we need to find Felomir. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to try anything that will help. Avidlar thinks he can teach you, but it could put a stress on you and Oysters. Hey, Astro, something weird's going on outside. We'll, we'll come back when we are ready for you. What's all this about? Uh, okay. Why did you rush out here? What's going on? I saw something weird out here. Did you did you see anyone weird out here aside from those two? Uh, no. Well, there was someone lurking around the lake, and they they poured something in it, some sort of bright green substance. Kind of a weird thing to do. Should we go check it out? Yeah, I think so. Let's see what's going on. And so the two of you are standing on the edge, looking into the water to see if you see anything. You look out into the water about 30 feet away to see like a small water spout spinning upwards. There is a water elemental hovering above the surface of the water, and it's rushing towards you about 30 feet away. Give me initiatives. I cast Sacred Flame. As you bring another ray of light from the sky and you sizzle him up. I yield. I yield. I'll just go back to my lake. Hold on, hold on. Did you see who did it? I mean, I saw him, but he looks like you. We look a lot, not alike. We look very different. Well, you have flesh and arms and a head and legs. Um, did he have a, any defining features? Did you see what he was wearing, maybe? Do you know what clothes are? These things. Yes, he was wearing clothes. <laughs> I, I think we're wasting our time. Maybe we should just go after this guy. Do you think he'll be back tomorrow night? Yeah, I guess so, if it happens around the same time. Wait till tomorrow night. Spring a trap. So so you are the great old one? I am. In the flesh. I am. It is an honor to meet you. I'll, like, I'll kneel or something. So you kneel and he says, Oh, no. No need for that. I wouldn't give you the gifts if I didn't think you deserved it. I'm kind of shocked of where you've taken yourself. This journey you've put yourself on. Doing what I set out to do. Trying to find the arcane well and restore it. Yes, but that wasn't your immediate goal back on Lethensis. It's been so long, I just, I don't, I don't quite remember. Then let me take you back to that day. All right, lead the way. As you take a few steps with Remora, you travel at the speed of light out of this library. Through darkness, across the ocean, into the shores of Lethensis. A giant greenwood tree stands in front of you, and then it clicks for you as you see your younger, healthy-looking self walk up to the tree. The day you found your friend Aaron dead with a white stone in his frozen hand. Aaron, I forgot about him. Your curiosity led me to believe you would linger on this, but your greed for the arcane led you elsewhere. He finally turns from his forward stare and looks at you. Your focus being on the arcane well, it may not have been part of my plan, but I do need you to show me it is worth it. I need you to bring balance to this land to make up for what you wrought to your homeland. You have two days. And as he takes a few steps forward, you see him fade out of existence. He's left you here. Time moves forward with every step. You turn back to the greenwood tree to see it slowly becoming frozen as frost builds up from the roots to the branches above. The grass and dirt at the base of the tree ices over, and eventually everything you can see in the area, every tree, bush, and stone, freezes over. And as time seems to return to normal, you hear a roar resonate from inside the frozen greenwood tree.
The next morning, you flutter your eyes open to the sun peeking in through your gray linen curtains. You look around your bedroom as you sit up in bed. Your new breastplate armor is laid out on your desk. You rub your eyes as you scoot to the edge of the bed. You dip your hands in the water of a large ceramic bowl in the corner of the room and splash your face. With a soft cloth, you wipe away the water and approach your armor. There's a little bit of blood splatter from the fight with Keth and the water elemental dried on the smooth metal. With the now damp cloth, you wipe away the blood. After finishing the cleanup, you look over at Oystrich, who is sleeping softly in his cage. You open up the gate to the cage and stroke his back with your finger. He wakes up and looks at you and then crawls onto your hand and grips tight onto your shoulder as he nuzzles to get comfortable. After getting dressed and donning your armor, you step out into the hallway. Keth is snoring so loud you can hear it in the hallway with his door closed. As part of your new morning routine since you got here in Yen, you step out on the balcony of your manor overlooking the lake. Children that are living in bunks downstairs in your manor have made their way outside and are running around outside playing. Two of the children seem to be practicing mage hand with each other, passing a small ball back and forth, while another child sits with Caitlin, your hired trainer that is teaching all of you about the guardians of the amalgam and the history of the equilibrium. You have learned a lot from Caitlin over the last month, and one thing she has asked you to do is take an hour of meditation each morning to see what spells the elements will provide you for the day. As you move through your ritual, it feels the same as every morning. The lessons you have learned and the divine magic you have grown used to, you can sense in your fingertips. Except one spell. The spell Bless doesn't come to you today. You strain, trying to pull the energy like Caitlin taught you, but you cannot seem to fill that empty pocket with your life force. But slowly, something starts to seep in. With your eyes closed, the darkness hidden behind your eyelids fades to a white light. Streaks of gray start to swipe across the white, showing six runes. Today, Astra, you do not have the spell Bless. The Guardians have replaced it with the spell Locate Object. You sense something overwhelming about this spell. It seems to be, in a metaphorical sense, overflowing. And as you come out of meditation, you look out at the lake and see Fasush and Avidlar approaching your home. You walk down the stairs to the front door. Children run past you in the foyer from one room to the next. And then at the door, Avidlar and Fasush are waiting for you. Astra, are you ready? To talk? To train. We're training? We need you to help us find Felomir. This is Avidlar speaking. You know that this was their goal. They may have not portrayed it very well because whenever Keth approached, it kind of cut the conversation off last night. Okay. Uh, what do we need to do? Do you have a training room that is quiet? Do yes. Is it possible we can also get Keth to help? Yeah, I'm sure he'd be willing to help. Okay. He'll, he'll need to prepare for battle. I'll go upstairs and wake up Keth. So you walk upstairs and you go to his bedroom. This door's closed. I will knock lightly at the door. All right. Uh, give me a, a perception check. Crit. All right. Um, <laughs> in between snores, you uh, get a light knock on the door and you wake up to it. What? What? Hey, hey, Keth. Uh, Pasish and... Oh, have ho hold on. <laughs> No, roll out of bed and, and open the door. What? what? I'm not. Do decent. you sleep naked? <laughs> uh, uh, let's say I open the door at like an angle. Uh, hey, hey, Keth. Um, Avidlar and Fasush, need, we need you. Uh, they need you to prepare for combat. Prepare for combat? No. Okay. But why? We're going to find Felomir. Oh. Okay. Well, hold on. I'll, uh, I'll run and grab my 
Halberd, the giant's lair. Okay. And my buckler and follow her downstairs. Naked? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that I close the door and wait for him to get dressed. <laughs> you didn't brush your teeth or nothing. I guess you, I'll you uh, put on my robes. <laughs> All right. So the two of you head back downstairs. And when you come back downstairs, you lead the two of them inside and into the living room where there is still a mess from the party last night. A door leading under the stairs takes the four of you to a basement room. And the room has pillows and rugs, and some of them have like charred marks from where the kids have been practicing their raw magic. Vasush and Avidlar pull out candles and books from their packs. Avidlar then places a small scrying orb on a stand between the two of you, Astra, and you two are now sitting cross-legged on the ground. Vasush paces in the corner next to you, Keth. Avidlar looks at you after it appears he has finished setting up the ritual. Place Oystrich in the palm of your hands. Uh, okay. You will need to tap into that raw magic you have. I believe you can cast the spell Mage Hand. I can. Try to make two of them instead of one. Use them as your actual hands. I I'm going to use Abjuration Magic to protect the three of us here. Fasush and Keth are here to handle any abnormalities outside the protected zone. What do you mean abnormalities? Well, we don't know what could happen. So last night, you, d you didn't even want to talk to me. You just left as soon as I came downstairs. <laughs> and now you want me to deal with abnormalities? <laughs> I wish you would have said abnormalities wrong. Yeah. <laughs> abnormalities? <laughs> abdominalities? <laughs> now you want me to do abdominals? <laughs> it's like Jay. Burpees. <laughs> have you seen my obliques? <laughs> Listen, Keth, it's... It's hard to explain, but we don't know what could happen with this travel. Velomir's not here in Mithron, and we're going to travel through Velm in order to get there. I'll uh, cock my head to the side a little bit. V Velm? Yes, it's it's the Abyssal Plane. It's basically what you have to travel through if you if you go through any kind of magical transportation. I guess, since it's Astra and it's for Velomir, I'll do it. Thank you, Keth. Avidlar then begins to mutter softly. You see his purple glowing eyes where he is missing the flesh of his eyelids turns to a white light. The glow from his eyes begins to spread in quick pulses like a wave of energy. And as it continues, every time the pulse resets, the glow is brighter. Eventually the pulse is so large it's surrounding Astra, him, and Oystrich. The pulses eventually stop and a stagnant white glow around you all like a bubble. You see Fasush and Keth on the other side of this magical sanctuary take a defensive stance looking around the room. All right, we're ready. Try to conjure two mage hands. Do I need to do anything um, particular? I mean, I have twin spell, so... You do what you think that. you need to do. Okay. I cast mage hand, and I assume that I would do that with twin spell. Well, normally when you use twin spell, it needs to be an offensive spell attack. But you kind of focus in and need to and try to like make a connection between you and that single mage hand. After you cast the initial mage hand, making that ghostly hand visible with a yellow haze falling from it, you, you tap into your wild magic and try to pull that twin spell activation with the mage hand. Roll a d100 for me as you use a sorcery point. Wow, magic. Let's go. 30? You teleport up to 60 feet to an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see. So assuming that you probably don't want to leave this circle. Mm -hmm. So because you're controlling this surge, do you want to leave yourself there? Do you want to move yourself within the, the sphere of energy that Avid Lara has created? Wait, I'm not in the sphere? No, you are. 
do you want to take yourself out of it? No. Okay. If anything, for wild magic's sake, I'll just like teleport slightly. Like, okay. So yeah, you I just kind of teleport yourself to an inch. And, Keth, you actually see Astra kind of like tremble for a second and then move just like an inch to the right. Like a hologram. I'll just kind of stop and tilt my head and watch confused glitch in the matrix. <laughs> oh, shit. And as you connect your twin spell to this cantrip, phasing into existence slowly and with a stutter, you see another mage hand conjure into existence. It is not an exact twin of your initial mage hand, but it's a pair of hands working together, a left and a right. You move them into position of your hands where you're holding Oystrich. Very good, Astra. I was certain we were not going to be able to get even this far in today's lesson. He looks over to Fasush. We might actually be able to find Felomir today after all. You were right, Fasush. She keeps a stern face as she preps for the next phase of this lesson. All right, so now the hard part, Astra. This is where it might hurt a little bit. We need to locate Felomir, and he has a key of Kilnar with him, and you know what it looks like. The spell locate object was gifted to you today from Fasush. I'm going to extend the range of your locate object, channeling through this crystal ball here. We need to both hold the crystal ball underneath Oystrich, though. He then looks at Oystrich and says, This might hurt, little guy. Astra, now try and visualize the key and place that image in the crystal ball. Let me see it, too. Give me a wisdom save. Nine. You take one point of mental damage. Okay. I don't see it yet. Can, can you try again for me? Seventeen. Very good. I see it. Now, cast locate object, but maintain the visual in the crystal ball. I cast Locate Object. Perfect. I can sense the connection to the object through the crystal ball. All right, prepare yourself. This is where it's going to hurt all three of us. You see a blackish haze build up around the outside of the crystal ball. Sparks of orange fire ignite randomly inside the haze. We must pass through the abyssal plane of Velm to get to Felomir. Yeah, as you watch from outside of the magical shield, that black haze starts to envelop all three of them within the safety of that shield. And then an instant, almost like an explosion, the shield they are in fills with that haze. And then you hear a guttural sound, a low-pitched moan. Fasush looks at you and says, I hope you're ready. And on the other side of the magical shield, an orange glow illuminates, and the large shadow of a demon spreads its wings in the glow. Astra, you, Avidlar, and Oystrich have a gust of wind swirling around you. You feel tons of pressure on your body. Give me a constitution save. 18. You take 18 damage. Jesus fucking Christ. Suddenly, after you feel all this pressure on you, the wind stops and you feel paralyzed. You can see what is happening around you, but not move your eyes. Avidlar and Oystritz also seem frozen in time, but you feel cold. Not as cold as the darkness of Mithron, but you can feel the temperature has dropped. And then slowly, fading into vision, you see the surrounding area you're in. You are sitting in the snow. You see a frozen winter forest. And from behind Avidlar, you see Felomir walk up to a tree, slide his fingers down the bark, and open a secret door. He steps into the tree.
As you open the door to the tree and head down the spiral staircase you and Aaron built years ago, it all starts to come back to you. The two of you sought knowledge that your elders would not give you. Of your tribe, there were not many arcane casters. The respect for the forest and the wilds were what your tribe focused on. Hunting, gathering, and protecting the forest from outside invaders was the only goal. But you and Aaron wanted more. You found an old dark ritual that could link you to an arcane source. The two of you performed it together and found your link to the Great Old One, which led the two of you into the lives of a warlock. What you didn't know was this needed a sacrifice. And when that sacrifice came, it took Aaron's life. You search your belongings and find the log entry Aaron had last left in his journal documenting what he had been testing in his alchemic lab beneath the roots of this tree. It read, I have found a way to recreate the substance that I believe is needed for the core of the white orb. However, I feel I am missing a heating liquid as when I combine the recipe, the substance hardened to stone within the vial. The stone looks cooled and sharp. I will experiment further with the recipe in my future studies and document each test in detail in my journal. As you reach the bottom of the staircase, you see the lab you had spent so much time in with him, it is completely frozen over. But in the center of the room, you see the spot where you buried the stone that you believe killed Aaron. You had buried it to hide it from the tribe, afraid of the punishment that could be dealt if they found out you had been practicing the arcane. Um, okay. Um, so you said it's completely frozen over? Yeah, this entire lab underneath the tree, like, it's completely frozen over. It's basically below the roots of the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll walk over to the spot where I buried the stone and sort of investigate it to see if it's still there. Okay. As you dig at the frozen ground, it takes some time, but you find the stone. Knowing that it had frozen Aaron's hand and you think it was what killed him, what do you want to do with it? Have I interacted with the stone before? No, other than burying it years ago, or a year ago. I guess I'm going to be cautious, but I want to touch it and see if anything happens. Okay. Um, So you, like, basically put your index finger on it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Give me a constitution save. 17. You feel the finger, your fingertips start to freeze over almost instantly. Almost like the uh, the frostbite you experienced in Mithron, like getting out of Mithron. And you pull your hand back quickly. Okay, I'm going to try to see if I can pick it up with something covering my hand. Okay. Like, so, I'll just take like a, like sort of put my hand inside of my robe and okay. try to pick it up that way. So yeah, you are able to pick it up that way. And it definitely still feels cold, but it's like picking up dry ice. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to, I guess, deposit it somewhere on my person in my bag or something. Okay. Uh, where at? I guess if I have a, I assume I have some sort of pouch, just like a small pouch. I don't want to put it in my main bag, but somewhere like on my belt. Okay. So you want to put it like in a sack and then like tie it to your belt? Yes. Okay. All right. So you have it on your belt. Okay. And I guess I'm just going to sort of investigate the rest of the room, see if there was anything else in here that I'd forgot was here. Okay. That was important. Uh, give me an investigation check. 15. So af- as you search the room, you see all of like the vials and all the alchemy supplies that were there. A lot of it being glass, and it's being frozen over. Like You touch one vial, and it just shatters immediately. Mm-hmm. And then you find that book that you had dropped, his journal. It's kind of buried underneath some ice on the ground right next to his body. You had ripped out the final page, which was the letter that you have on your body, but you didn't read anything else prior to that. And in his journal, you didn't catch the recipe he had put on the final page. It was the recipe of the substance he believes is the core of the white orb. He has the recipe listed as holy water, diamond dust, shard of black glass. He he needs you to slow down. (laughs) 
I saw that he was like thinking about not even writing it down. <laughs> I was. Shard of black glass. The heart of a harpy. The tooth of a frost giant. The claw of a griffin. And then he has a question mark. Then it says prophet. <laughs> and as you're collecting your thoughts, you hear the creaking of wood. And then a root from the tree above shoots through the frozen earth ceiling above you. Ice spreads around the room like shrapnel. Give me a dexterity save to dodge the root. Five. You take 14 damage as this root hits you like square against the chest and knocks you across the room. Give me initiative. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. And as you stand yourself up and kind of dust yourself off, you take your staff and look around. You see that multiple roots are coming down and like prepping to attack you again. It's your turn. Um, God. Okay, so there's no like physical. Just these roots. They, they're, they're like thick roots that are like hanging down. Okay. And how many of them can I see? Give me a perception check. 19. Seven. All right. And are they all varying sizes? Or roughly they're, the they're same. They're very close to each other, but they do vary in thickness, yes. Okay. I'm going to cast Produce Flame. Okay. And then I want to throw it at one of the roots. Okay. Uh, give me a spell attack. Uh, 13. That's a hit. And I, I guess I want to aim for one uh, sort of on the furthest away from the center of the room. Okay. All right. And that's going to be 2d8. It's going to be six fire damage. All right. You create this little ball of flame and hurl it across the room, and it impacts the root, and like the root itself takes flame. And give me a con save. 17. You see these like this green cloud kind of emit from all the roots, and you kind of cover your mouth to protect yourself as you realize it's a poison haze. And then two roots try to hit you. 19. That's a hit. And 21. 19 damage. One root hits you and then just knocks you into another one. And that one that it hits you in hits you into kind of just like wraps you up and then like throws you to the ground. Alright. My turn? Yes. I would like to disengage. Okay. You want to go for like the spiral staircase? And yes, exit this room. Okay. So you run out the sp- like you run for the spiral staircase and the roots can't reach for you there. But then one like juts out from the staircase wall and hits you or and it tries to attack you. All right. And this time it's a 14. I'm sorry, an 11. That's a mess. You easily dodge it and just kind of like take a prone position and then like crawl up the stairs. You just going to keep running? Yes, I want to exit. You want to disengage until like you're out? Yes. Okay. Uh, That's going to give them two more attacks on you. All right. That's going to be a 10. Nope. And then a 12. Nope. All right. You get yourself back out. You climb the spiral staircase out the top of the tree, 
and then behind you, you hear that roar again in the distance. Astra, you see Felomir exit the tree, but then your vision, your vision starts to fade to black again. The wind starts to spiral around you inside of Avidlar's magical sanctuary, and then you feel that pressure begin to build up again, and then instantly release. Keth is panting heavily, holding his weapon with an offensive stance. He's bloodied, but behind him, you see Fasush on her back lying still. First off, sorry for missing last week's episode release. I'm always super embarrassed when that happens, but right now I'm in between jobs and had my first day today. Don't worry, it went well. Just the typical, watch all these training videos on how to be a decent person. If you're one of those assholes that made these training videos become a thing, what'd I do to you? Why you gotta make me go through that with your bad behavior? So companions, I hope you're being decent human beings in all aspects of your life, because you're making other people suffer whenever you're assholes. But if you're wondering about Keth's fight with a demon from the Abyssal Plane and want to hear that fight, that fight will be released the same day as this episode on our Patreon. We will be releasing it at the dedicated companion level, which is only $3 a month. And you have no idea how helpful $3 can be. So if you can afford it, we would really appreciate the fiscal support. Speaking of our Patreon, it's been a minute since I've done this, but I want to thank all our current companions on Patreon by giving them a shout out right now. Thank you to Colby Parker, Dave Lar, Kevin McEwen, McCown, I'm not sure how to say that one, Takara Stokes, Andrew O'Dell, Samuel Moore, Jacob Williams, Joshua Story, Caitlin Lindbergh, and of course, Dave Schmidthenner, which I still don't know how to pronounce correctly. Also, Steven has put together some great goodies for our live show coming up in December. We haven't confirmed a date yet, but know that it will be early or mid-December here in Mobile, Alabama. I know that can be a good bit of travel for a lot of you, so no pressure. But those that can make it totally should. I'll be providing, hopefully, all the details of the live show in our next episode. But for now, I'm calling it on this mid-roll. I always feel so awkward doing these. Trapped and pinned against the gate of the sewer entrance, your lieutenant, Connor Rellin, has sprung into action at the front of the group, using his large circular shield to block half of the tunnel as bolts from crossbows are shot at you from ahead. Give me initiatives, Doroth and Finch. Fifteen. Crit. Yeah, real quick, what was the the orc's name? Um, His back I'm on. Bork. Bork, of course. Bork, Bork. the orc. Is that with a C or a K? I wrote down B O R K. Okay. Like Bjork without the J. <laughs> <laughs> or it is spelled with it like that, but the J is silent. There you go. That actually sounds more fun. <laughs> but Jork. One more thing. What were we fighting again? Bunch of arrows. Know. Oh, just oh, okay. Right, Bunch gotcha. of bolts are flying at you. That's why I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Sergeant Hector screams out. 
Finch, what do we do? Everybody down, single file, behind Connor. I want to duck my head down, like, behind the shoulders of the, the uh, Bork, <laughs> <Okay>. I guess. <laughs> so, you get, like, do you want to, like, hang from your hands on his back, basically? Yes. Okay. So you kind of, like, slide down his back and, like, wrap your arms around his neck a little bit. And then kind of just, like, <laughs> just, like, wrap my <laughs> legs around him. Like, grip him very tightly. Sure, yeah. He doesn't seem to react at your at the strength of you at all. He seems to be fine with it. Okay. Hector pulls out his short bow, Sergeant Hector does, and like starts to aim it. Do I just shoot? If you have a shot, take it. I can't see him. He releases it. What the? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you hear like a thud as it hits something, like almost like a flesh thud. He says, I think I hit something. Doroth, your turn. Um, okay, so I want to poke my head up and just see what I can see. All right. Uh, you. What's your dark vision range? Um, I want to see sixty feet. Mm-hmm. I googled dark vision, and one of the responses was dark vision in one eye. And I was like, "Can you do that in D and D?" And I was like, "Oh wait, <laughs> they probably made like your real eye. It's probably like a WebMD thing." <laughs> a pirate. <laughs> what does WebMD say if I just can't stop plundering? <laughs> Might be a pirate, bro. Yeah, it's 60 feet. So you actually kind of like peek over Bork's head or his shoulder and look down the range of the, t- the sewer. And you do see like four silhouettes of humanoid people, like right at the range of 60 feet. Okay. Um, I see some people up ahead. And I want to use da 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 da. You know what? Let's go all in. Actually, no. I'm going to use Cloud of Daggers. All right. How's that work? I see that. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. What? Oh, we're, I take back my things. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm looking it up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this motherfucker. Uh, you fill the air with spinning daggers in a cube, five feet on each side, centered on a point you choose within range, which is 60 feet. All right. So it's a five-foot cube, 60-foot range. And a creature takes 4d4 slashing damage when it enters the spells area for the first time on a turn or it starts its turn there. Does it have a save at all? Nope. Really? That's all it says. Hey, man, there's a cloud of daggers there. That's all you need to say. <laughs> I just want to make sure. Let me, let me see what the word it's says. It's page 222 in the player handbook. just want to make sure before Tony Beardsley attacks <laughs> let me, us. Let me consult the word of God. Here's Tony. Concentration up to one minute. Yep. Because it doesn't move and you just have to concentrate on it, it doesn't say you have to like do an action to keep concentration. So this is something you could do to uh, do another cantrip spell or something like that on your next turn. Oh, okay. Well, I want to place it where exactly where I see them because maybe if they have to move, we might be able to see them. All right. So yeah. Uh, so when it at the start of their turn, right? Is that what it said? Yeah. Or it says. Specifically, um, whenever it enters the spell's area for the first time, or it starts its turn there. So, technically, the damage wouldn't be activated until until their turn. Okay. I would assume. Yeah, because I don't think I want to do 44 when you cast it, and then 44 on their turn. Yeah. Yeah, there wouldn't be an initial damage. It would just be whenever they start, whenever they enter the area, or whenever they start their turn there. Okay. So, you cast Cloud of Daggers, and you hear just, like, these the clinking of daggers as they're basically bouncing off of each other in midair and you hear the men scream. Ah, 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 
Okay, and also I just want to tap Bork on the shoulder and be like, don't go there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it is actually his turn, so he kind of looks at you and says, well, what should I do? I don't know. He, like, reaches, like, he starts reaching at you. He's like, my crossbow's back there. Hand me my crossbow. I'll hand him his crossbow. <laughs> you kind of, like, maneuver yourself to where you're, like, not blocking his crossbow. And uh, he pulls out this big, hefty crossbow. No, 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 no. I want to hand it to him. <laughs> okay. Well, it's kind of, like, strapped on his back. So you, like, basically rotate it around him. Like, a, like somebody taking, like, a guitar swing around their head and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> And he uh, aims his shot, and he releases the bolt. So you don't have to pay for those sound effects. I got you. <laughs> uh, this actually hits. All right, Bork the Org. Un- under my management, you can do well. <laughs> Manager for, like, a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he's a Paul Haven guy. And you hear, like the, like, the scream of a man, and he, like, grunts, and then, like, a splash in the water <laughs> happens. I think you got one. Finch, your turn. All right, so based off of uh, Doroth and what I've heard him say and the screams I've heard downrange now, I'm going to throw spike growth at that location. Okay, so you're going to make spike growth happen. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's uh, 2d4. It's got 150-foot range, 20-foot radius. And so you're going to put – you heard him say 60 feet away, so you're just going to, like, get yeah. it down that range. Mm-hmm. All right, and what's the – is there initial damage, or is it like Cloud of Daggers where they take damage? If that's what I have written down is 150-foot range, 20-foot radius, damage for every five feet moved within in um, so they half have movement speed. So they have to move in order. I for think so, yeah. Okay. They have to move within the spike growth to actually start taking the damage. But at that point, you would have to look up to know how much damage they're actually going to take. Uh, the transformation of the ground is camouflaged to look natural. Any creature that can't see the area at the time the spell is uh, casted must make a wisdom check against your say, spell save DC to recognize the terrain is hazardous before entering it. So maybe I roll my 2d4 whenever one of the people moves within it for damage? Yeah, whenever a creature moves within, moves into or within the area, it takes okay, 2d4 yeah. damage for every 5 feet of travel. Okay. So and if they don't move, they don't take the damage. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's like if you put it on top of them, if they move, if they try to move out of it, they would take damage, right? If they every five feet they move, they take two d four damage. Okay. Yes. I'm also. I'll just take like I guess if reaction just come like if you have an arrow, shoot it. You hear a uh, cadet groon kind of grunt behind y'all. And you hear like the splashing of water as he's like on his back getting up because he's the one that triggered the tripwire as he fell back at the surprise attack of the bolts. And he gets up and like loads his light crossbow and he's in the very back of the group. And says y'all duck for me. <laughs> oh, shit. Everybody down! <laughs> and he delays his turn for now. And then Billy Two-Shoe steps up and pulls out his short bow and, like, reaches over, like, the shoulder of uh, Lieutenant Connor and releases a short bow arrow, like, at his shoulder and misses. The arrow, like, bounces off of the wall really close and uh, just kind of ricochets into the water. And then another volley of bolts fly at y'all. Doroth, what's your AC? Uh, 16. And Finch? 15. Two arrows fly overhead past y'all. Lieutenant Connor gets a bolt right to, like, his upper shoulder area. And it takes, like, a deep cut into him. And he falls onto his back, so you don't have a shield right now for y'all. 
Can I get any sort of reaction to that? What? I would just like to, if I can't like pick him up, then I'd like to just take over the shield in the front. Okay, no, you can't do that. Okay. Um, but it is his turn. Lieutenant Connor stands back up with his shield and tries to like block the area, and he doesn't have a ranged weapon, so he's just kind of holding that position until maybe a command comes his way. Question. Okay. Uh, was that their turn? The people firing the arrows? Yes. W- w- wouldn't they be in the cloud of daggers starting yes. their turn? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, spike growth if they decide to take a step forward or backwards. Good God, y'all. Are you rolling the damage? Oh, yeah, you should. I'm sorry. You my go ahead. Oh, my goddamn you damage. You Unless yours is more. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you now. Should I roll four times for each dude? or is it just No, just do it one time. All right. Ten. Damage. You hear the men screaming down the hall, like down the tunnel, and you hear them like, Oh, retreat! Retreat! Oh, fuck! Oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I rolled yours, Matt. Thanks. <laughs> Unless you want to. No, I trust you. See, see, that's the difference between you and me. I don't. Dave has better dice than I do. <laughs> Always has. I trust nobody. <laughs> gonna work out better for me i can almost guarantee it <laughs> what up stretch and then it goes silent actually i will poke my head up from behind bork and look around i think they're gone i think they're gone guys we won and i'm gonna pull out my rapier and be like for jeffka kippa <laughs> hoorah <laughs> and as the fight ends you hear someone walking into sewage water up ahead. You all take guard and look forward, and you see this small humanoid creature walking towards you. He comes just into vision to where everybody can see him. Hey, what are y'all doing here? Excuse me? Who, who are you? Who are you in my sewers? What are you doing in my sewers? I'm Finch of the Crimson Command. The Crimson Command? Who's that? We are bringers of peace to Terrandun. Oh, right. The piece of Terridun? What's a piece of Terridun? Is that like a cake? What the fuck? There will be no more theft along my line. Theft? I'm I'm just... I'm just a keeper of the sewers. What does he look like? He comes into vision about like five feet away as he continues walking towards you. He's this green goblin with like a really big belly. And he doesn't have a shirt on. So it's just like this really like round bulbous belly. He says, well, I'm Polby. I'm Polby the sewer goblin. Polby. 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 This is the best name <laughs> we've had so far. Thank you, Colby Parker, for being two of our top Patreon donors. How, wait, how is he two? He, uh, there's two people that pay, like, the most a month, and he's one of the two. Oh, one of the two. I'm Polby the sewer goblin. What are you doing in my sewers? Well, wait. Colby, first, would you have any idea what's going on down here? We just chased a man down here. Oh, yeah, I hunt the rats down here. I clean up all the rats. I eat all the rats. I kill the rats. I eat well, the rats. That, that's very that's very interesting, trust me. But Who are all these dead people you just killed? You don't know anything about them and the bolts they were just shooting at us? The, the bolts? The people? Who? What? The trap back there? Wait, who are these people? These are bad guys, Colby. Bad guys. Bad guys? The rats are the bad guys down here. These are rats, trust me. I kill me. all the rats. They're, they're rats? They oh, don't look yes. like rats. I wouldn't eat them. Any rat I kill, I eat. They're rats that locked us between these bars. Can you can you help us get out? Is this like a metaphor? 
because I, I kill the rats down here. Hey, like, actual rats. Poby, <laughs> you know what? I actually, among my friends, there is a bit of a rat infestation. I, I mean, I'll kill it. I'll kill the rats. Really? I'll have to keep in touch with you. Any rat I kill, I eat. Poby, can you help us get past this gate? Gate? Past this gate? I'll knock on it. Ding, ding, ding. Can you, can you say that in Goblin for me? Maybe I'll understand better. What? This barrier, this thing. That That's is... not Goblin. Well, can you speak in Goblin? Because I can speak in Common, Goblin, or Goblin. Well, you seem to speak Common generally well. If you can just try and bear with me and use your context clues. Context <laughs> clues? We, look. Do you see this thing? And I'm going to fucking start hitting it with my, with my bow. I mean, that thing's locked. It's been locked forever. Can you unlock it? Can you lift it? I'll pretend to. I'll try and lift it and go, no. Well, then I guess you gotta go the other way. The other way? Yeah, you gotta go the other way. Through the sewers. <sighs> I'll turn around and look. What are you even doing down here? We're trying to find the cloak. Oh, the cloak? Is that who these guys are? Yes. I know who the cloak are. What the fuck? So you're looking for the cloak? Yes. Oh, I'll show you where they are. Oh, please do. But it'll cost you. <sighs> how much? What do you mean, how much? Well, I mean, like, what kind of cost are you anticipating for this uh, endeavor? Um, you give me things. Like what? We'll pay you fairly. Pay? Well, yes, like in food and... Uh, food, yes. The yes. rats. I need all the rats. We'll get you as many rats as we can along Any the way. Any rats you kill, they're mine. Okay. I eat all the rats. I want to just look at So, Colby, can you get us past this this, and hit it again? Well, that's going to the outside. I thought you were looking for the cloak. If you lead us to more of the cloak, we will catch rats for you along the way. Okay. Yeah, I like I like that idea. The king will, will love me if I can get more rats for him. Who is the king? The king of Rodana. Yukalia. Why does the king of Rodana want rats? Oh, he hired me to kill all the rats down here. I'm... I'm the sewer goblin. I clean up all the sewers. Okay. And I'm just going to kind of look around all my guys and be like, if you see a rat along the way, kill it. Kill the rats. This That's is, my cost. This <laughs> is slowly starting to make sense. What do you mean? Nothing. Can you speak in goblin? I might be able to speak it better if Ab you're speaking goblin. Absolutely not. Okay. Do you speak gnomish? No. I speak common goblin and goblin. Just real quick. I don't mean to. I know we're pressed for time. What is. What is what? Cop? Goblin. Cob Goblin. Goblin is like this. I can go by. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Stop. We've heard enough. Okay. Let's just, let's be on our way. Okay. So am I taking you to the cloak? If you don't mind, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Follow me. Hoodly hoo. I want to just whisper it to Bork. That is two minutes of my life. I will never get back. I know, man, right? <laughs> As we pass the bodies of the people we shot, I'm going to inspect them. Okay. Uh, give me investigation check. Six. In the darkness, you can't really find anything on their bodies. Fair enough. And you're searching for the cloak. Yep. Just don't make me do an investigation check. Cool. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, greetings, companions. I've been a little preoccupied in the Rodanian archives lately, but I've discovered this wonderful thing called the Internet, where you can find out all sorts of information, especially about the Four Orbs. You can look us up on Twitter, at Four Orbs, Facebook.com slash Four Orbs, Reddit slash R slash Four Orbs, Instagram at Four Orbs. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Four Orbs. And don't forget to drop us an iTunes review. Now off with you. I'm busy reading. What do you do? Kath, wake up! <laughs> uh, I don't think going to work. <laughs> He's upstairs in the bedroom. They're having this like really low, like, are you ready? Yes. Will you go fetch Kath? The meatloaf! <laughs> Mom, the meatloaf! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine. I go upstairs and don't, don't, don't start it off like that. <laughs> I go upstairs, damn it. I mean, I guess I'll go upstairs. Let me cut around it, if anything. Okay. Wait, what are we? What's this? This is D and D. What am I doing here? I have work. Where? Where am I? I'm like an hour late. <laughs>